Let's Talk Broncos. Happy Monday, Broncos country. Bree Maestas, Zach Seegers, Joey Richards. Guys, worst football number in existence. Go. Uh, well, it's obvious, and it came out today. I saw on Twitter, you know, believe everything you see online, of course. You know, this is a podcast. I don't know if this is actually correct yet, but someone tweeted that Teddy Bridgewater is wearing number 50. If that's the case, that's the most disrespectful thing we've ever seen. It's the worst number we've ever seen. Put that, you know what? I've been very big on, like, when Tom Brady was talking about that, um, when Tom Brady was talking about, ooh, I don't like the number change. Everyone should be strict on the numbers. I now agree with the man. Number 50 on a quarterback is disgusting, and it is not right. So it's t- Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I, I, I like that pick a good bit. 50 on a quarterback is about as ugly as it gets. Just Mac fun. Jones was wearing 50 during his uh, uh, rookie training camp experience. Bill Belichick made him do that to like earn his stripes or whatever. Uh, 50 is very ugly. I'm trying to think like overall just like general – Football, because like I, I think on, on alignment, fifty could look good, right? Like on a center, it could be. It's a good like center number. I think thirty-seven is my answer. I don't think there's like a position that thirty-seven looks good on. I don't like, and we can like Riley Moss as a player. I'm just saying, like when Royce Freeman, a running back, had thirty-seven, you're like, that's that that doesn't look good. Like I don't like a DB wearing thirty-seven. It's not a super cool n- number. It's not very coveted. It's not very sleek. Like what position wears 37 and you're like, ooh. Yeah, like name a great foot. Like I guess maybe safety with like Rodney Harrison. That's probably the best 37 ever. And if that's the best player ever to wear that number, that's not a good football number. That's my take. You know, I was uh, researching this just a second ago. Uh, The least worn number, what do you think that is? Ooh, it's got to be in the 60s. That's my take. It's got to be. I'm sticking 41, 47, 40, 48, 48 is my answer. 48 is my answer. 48 is a good one. 48. What, what I'm seeing here is 83, which was worn by just 10 active members. Oh, you know what? 80 is a good bet because the moment wide receivers started being allowed to go to the teens, they all went there. And now that it's single digits, they all want like a single digit. 80 yeah. is not a super sleek number. So you're getting all the wide receivers starting to leave it. And then tight ends can wear like 40s and stuff. It, it makes sense that there's not a lot of 80s out there. Yeah. Th- I, but there's a ton of like 81s. I can name a ton of 80s. Do it right now. Name name a bunch of 80s right now. Okay. I can't, can't actually name a bunch of 80s off the top of my head. <laughs> I know there was a lot of 80s out there. Man, like Cameron Brait. I'm thinking like some weird tight end. Evan Ingram's now a single number. He's not even one. There's not a lot of 80s out there. So I, I uh, can see Give it. me a second. Everyone continue talking. I will look this up. I'm just dropping the wonderful uh, YouTube link into our Discord so we can get some members in the chat. If you're watching over on Twitter, the best thing you can do right now is search Let's Talk Broncos over on YouTube. We're streaming live right now. Tell us the worst NFL jersey uh ty said joey getting called out that's what i do here you're gonna make a bold statement and i'm gonna make you show proof okay well here you go (laughs) brie funny do you remember when the top 100 list came out of the greatest players of all time does anyone yes yes who is number one i believe he goes by the name of jerry rice that's that's a good one that's 80 (laughs) but not a current 80 we're talking about currently in the league 
Oh, I thought we were just talking about all-time players. That's my bad. No. Of course, because you missed half of the conversation that we were having prior to making your claim. Donald Driver, Andre Johnson, Rod Smith. Rod Smith, ring a bell? Any Broncos fans? Yeah, all guys that aren't playing You're anymore. Pandering started the playing audience. before the rule changed. This is nonsense. You're pandering, and I don't appreciate it. Dropping this link in there for the Discord. If you'd like to join the Discord, go over to our link tree. The link is over there. Guys, let's get into the the Broncos drop a one point game to the Arizona Cardinals on Friday evening. Uh, I was being held hostage. I wasn't able to watch the game live. However, Twitter was a buzz about what was going wrong. And I think that's what we were expecting out of Broncos country is the hesitation going into, yes, just a preseason game was going to, I think, turn up a little bit of muck and dust. What I was seeing was a lot of either negative trepidation, some scary holes that were happening on the offensive line, but let's start with what went right. Zach, I'm going to throw it over to you. What went right? Oh, my God. I'm having audio problems. I'm so sorry. Joey, what uh, went right? Yeah, get what Joey. Went right? What went right? I thought that some of the players I had questions about, I'm going to give it to Nick Benito. That was one thing that went absolutely right in my mind. Nick Benito looked like, and I've been saying this this entire offseason, if you were a fan of the Nick Benito pick at the time, he showed you no reasons to completely get off that, um, to get off that train. So I, 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 and I think he proved that last week. If you want him to be a pass rusher, Nick Benito is going to go out there and be a pass rusher. I thought that athletic ability really flashed in the last game. And honestly, I thought he looked a little stronger. Um, I didn't think it was like substantial, like, oh, this guy put on 30 pounds of weight and he's just setting a crazy edge out there now. No, but he did look stronger. He looked like he could set a better edge than he did last year. Um, to go along with that, yeah, I just think that he's going to be a good pass rusher for the Broncos. I think that he's going to have a pass rush specialist role and he's going to thrive in that role. Uh, and that uh, kind of, I thought, confirmed a little bit for me um, during the preseason game. So that's definitely something that went right. So it wasn't yep. an anomaly from training camp that Benito was having a, a very heavy hand there on the defense. Zach, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get into that half of that equation, the other half of that equation when we go into what went wrong or what was ugly, because it, it was like, hey, is this Benito looking great or Garrett Bowles looking really bad? Uh, both maybe. Um, and, and I think it, it's great news for Benito. Even our most optimistic projections this offseason, I remember Joey and I talking about, I forget what month it was, uh, but talking about what would like a good season from Benito even look like, or what, what's the best realistic case scenario for Nick Benito. And it's like an awesome elite um, designated pass rusher. And in that first preseason game, and it is just one preseason game, but he showed the ability to impact the run game as well, where maybe he can be, uh, I mean, this first year rotational edge player, a fill in guy, if uh, Randy Gregory and or Frank Clark get injured, which is pretty likely um, and um, immediately uh, make an impact there, which is a huge boom for the Broncos. Uh, again, looked like they didn't have anything there. Now it looks, or maybe not anything, but a, a low level contributor. Now they might have a burgeoning star. That pick immediately looks so much better. I am very excited to see how that continues to develop throughout the season. I, I hope the uh, hip injury is not serious. Yeah, I really hope it's not serious, man. I really do. He's one of those guys that um, raises the ceiling of this Broncos edge group pretty significantly. Now, if he goes out there and he's just that pass rush specialist, 
Uh, you need guys in front of him to do that. I think like even Jonathan Cooper can fill that role as an every down kind of edge player. I think he's more suited for that. Nick Benito can still be a super valuable player though. So yeah, that, that hip injury, I'm really looking out for it. Uh, guys, since we're already touching on it, I do think we need to mention the injuries as today the Broncos were back at practice and they had a myriad of different players that were on the side field. Just a couple of note, Patrick Sertan, uh, Kwan Williams, uh, Purcell, Browning, Simmons, Manhurts, uh, Hinton, DJ Jones, Riley Moss, McGlinchey, Johnson, Sutton, Benito. So the injuries are mounting up a little bit. Uh, what was most notable that happened on Friday? Because I think DJ Jones and that concussion made a significant impact on the game. Uh, Zach, how did you feel about that? Yeah, and forget that game because it's you know preseason. It, it sucks to lose to the Cardinals, but it is preseason. Um uh, losing DJ Jones to concussion, I mean, he should be back by week one, um, but it, it is still concerning. You know, these things can linger for a long time. Uh, we've seen guys retire after getting like three, four concussions. So, you know, just getting one of those on its own. Yeah, you might not miss a lot of time, but if they start piling up. It is extremely concerning and, uh, you know, you don't want to see that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not good. This defensive line is very very shallow it needs reinforcements in a hurry already with mike purcell side sidelined um as it stands now now you're down dj jones uh he's coming back from shoot i think it's some sort of foot thing i'd have to look it back up to foot or wrist i i can't remember off the top of my head he's coming back from an injury right now and dj jones is excited for him to come back because he's expected to be starting at nose which will allow dj jones to kick back over to defensive end um, and DJ Jones said he's more comfortable in that position. Anyways, now you're down both noses. So you're pretty much on as a result of this, what like defensive end three nose tackle three. That's not, that's not a great place to be uh, next to Zach Allen. Um, uh, bad, bad, bad vibes. Yeah. I'm pretty good. Uh, my Purcell point was interesting, Zach, because I honestly, I, I've seen people in the past, I think, kind of doubt dj jones ability to play more of that three tech role i really think that he could do that and thrive in that role i don't think he's strictly a nose and honestly i think that if he were strictly a nose the broncos overpaid him dramatically (laughs) he should be more versatile moving in and out of different positions um and yeah just be versatile in that role and i i'm fully confident that he could do it i'm not sure where this notion that he is just a nose guard came from um, but from everything I've seen, I think he can play uh, anywhere on that interior defensive line and be pretty successful. Yeah. Uh, Zach, did you have a point? Uh, did you have a response? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to. My bad. Uh, Ty asked, uh, can I ask what we did to the football lords to have such terrible injury luck? At this point, I think we have to consider that, like, maybe the altitude is playing a factor, just dehydration and whatnot. I, I like because it is crazy year after year, different staff after different staff, polar opposite approaches, and kind of still the same final result. Um, so I, I don't think we can just like. I, I don't know, blame Hackett or blame this style of doing practice or that style of doing practice. Um, I would point to yeah, the altitude, but maybe even a bigger thing is how small the Broncos. Uh, strength coach is this is or strength staff is rather not the coach himself um uh, this, is something like mario, this is something mario has discussed uh at length like it's not about lauren landau lauren landau is considered one of the best guys in the world it's that it's like only lauren landau 
And these teams at this point. Well, it was until they got rid of him. Yes. So I, I'm just saying like, that's what he was saying. Now they got more rid of Lauren Landau, but that doesn't fix the problem because you still just got one guy or two, three guys uh, uh, educated in this special type of treatment, which name I would butcher. Um, but it's the cutting edge treatment. Uh, trying to treat 90 guys on a team and you just can't give all those players the treatment they need. What, what hopefully will happen under the Walden Penner group, and they have all the money in the world to invest in this, is investing in a much, much better and also just uh, uh, larger strength staff. That's really what they need, more the better facilities, um, uh, uh, more tools at their disposal. And this is an uh, area where rich ownership can be a competitive advantage. The salary cap attempts to level the playing field and it does in terms of like roster construction in a lot of ways, but there are ways you can skirt this. Uh, I point to Mitchell Schwartz was interviewed uh, this offseason. He used to be a high up NFLPA guy, great player in the league for a long time, won a lot of games with the Chiefs, um, said, and then lost a lot of games with the Browns. So he's kind of seen both sides of the coin. He said the number one thing he would invest in if he was an owner with bottomless pockets terms of like analytics, cash spending over cap spending, uh, yada, uh, expensive coaching staff. What would he spend money that's not charted by the salary cap to give himself a competitive advantage? And he said the strength staff to help mitigate injuries. This is something the Broncos currently aren't doing. And the Walton Penner Group's war chest is bigger than anyone's. They should totally be able to address this. It's kind of frustrating and it hasn't been already. It makes me wonder if there's any carryover from last year's strength strength and conditioning team. And I don't know for certain, but I'm going to look into that um, because I may or may not have heard a little birdie Carter's joined the chat. I also see doc Nicholas Manning, Cal Ty Walden. Thanks for joining guys. We appreciate you. If you have any questions or if you want to tell us what went right during the game on Friday, please do so. Uh, We went off the road and into the slot fest fairly early guys, but uh, Joey, anything else that you saw? Zach, you have your hand up. You're muted. You're, oh, Zach, you're muted, Seegers. Where's the banner? Get the banner. Uh, Get the, the banner. He uh, deleted it. Oh, we'll have to Wow. <laughs> He's polluting the chat. I, I don't like this. <laughs> I think something that went well, and I've got something else that Bree's not going to like. Something else that went well was Jerry Judy. I know he had the drop, and that's pretty egregious, but at this point in his career, we have a pretty big sample size, and even given – uh, crazy outlier in that data set. Uh, he, he drops the football at a league average rate. I wish he was above average at it. I wish he was elite at it and never dropped the ball, but very few football players are perfect. You know, a lot of guys have gaps in their game. This happens to be Jerry Judy's. And what we did see him do was all the great Jerry Judy stuff we saw from last year. Uh, great separation created. Uh, I think he was the best receiver on the field for the Broncos. Uh, created multiple big plays, including the touchdown where he completely uh, shook that Cardinals defender. Um, I think the Jerry Judy breakout season will continue. Um, I think, as have been the case with his drops throughout his career so far, that one drop is kind of just a weird blip. It's frustrating nonetheless. Uh, but this guy is a burgeoning star player for the Broncos, uh, the star weapon for the Broncos in this team, I think, is kind of starved for that. Yeah, Zach, I can definitely say that I was very uh, glad to see that Russell Wilson right went right back to Jerry Judy um, after the drop. The drop was loud. The drop was splashy. It, it was, was in it was in his hands, and not only was it just like a missed 
catchable pass. It was a very loud drop. And I think that's why it sticks out. I think that's why you're going to get that narrative right or wrong. We've talked about that ad nauseum here on Let's Talk Broncos. Joey's trying to yell at me. I'm still talking. What I wanted to note was <laughs> is that it was important that Russell Wilson uh, went back to Jerry Judy and even told him that. That's building confidence in the young receiver, which you like to see. I will note, however, and tie into a little bit of the bad, a lot of conversation is uh, sanctioned around how Cortland Sutton allegedly quit on one of those Russell Wilson yeah. deep end zone passes. But what I want to note is if the ball is that far out of range and you as a receiver have gotten accustomed to that far out of range, you're going to have to stop. You know it's not catchable. So I don't like the discourse that's happening there. But, Joey, go ahead and tear me a new one because I'm not on board here. Okay, I will real quick, Bree. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But uh, it's I. you know what else also was loud? That touchdown where he had that DB on his on his knees, like <laughs> facing the ground. That's that also was loud. Very next play, um, I do agree though. I think there's middle ground in this. People are going to tell you that Jerry Judy has zero drop issues, but one thing I will tell you is even coming out of Alabama, that was an issue. This has been an issue during his entire NFL career, or during his entire career stretching to college from college to the NFL. Um, he's not going to have the strongest hands in the world. That's just not something that he's ever thought to have. What I'm hoping for is that you have those touchdown plays where the guys are, is hitting the ground off of a route that Jerry Judy ran enough to where it's a touchdown. It's the same thing like Demarius Thomas, right? He had drop issues during his NFL career. He was just so explosive through the entire rest of his game that it didn't really matter. It was like, okay, he's still a massive positive to the team. Something that carried over from training camp was watching Jerry Judy do the exact same thing to Damari Mathis. He hit the floor right on his butt and he was outworked by Jerry Judy. So I'm glad that that's translating. I'm glad that you're seeing the same really great concepts and the skill work, the footwork specifically work out for Jerry Judy. And honestly, guys, first preseason game, I get it, but a handful of snaps and a drop that was really loud. Stuff like that is a lot of the time a mental game. And we saw, I'm not going to compare the two, but Melvin Gordon's struggles were a lot of mental uh, mistakes. And if Jerry Judy is trying to get ahead of the play before he's got the ball in his hands, that's a mental error. So I'm only saying that I just don't want to see any more of it because the promising stuff is so promising. Zach. Yeah, I honestly, I fully agree with how you laid it out pretty much uh, in, in your retort to me. I thought that was perfect. Uh, the Cortland Sutton thing, yeah. I, I, do you want to see guys quitting on routes? No, of course that's bad. But, I mean, it's kind of the culture that's been created at the Broncos quarterback for literally the entirety of Cortland Sutton's career. It's going to take some, like, retraining your brain on that. This is the first preseason game under Sean Payton. Like, that's not an excuse, but, like, I think you can also be understanding with it. Um, the Judy drop thing, yeah, I, I fully agree with Joey too. Like, it, it's a middle ground thing. He is league average when it comes to drops. That doesn't mean he has no drop problems. But that means he has drop problems. Just yeah. I think they've been inflated a little in terms of some people's narrative and probably deflated by another uh, opposite faction. I think there's a healthy middle ground where, yes, he has drop issues, but they they aren't even to like Demarius Thomas's level. Marius Thomas was consistently at like the top of the league in that regard. And as we saw firsthand was still an awesome weapon because drops don't really impact teams that, that much. It's not good, but a very drop happy receiver has like 10 drops in an NFL season. You're, you're one of the most drop happy, happy receivers in the league at that point. Okay. That's like 10 
forced incompletions. That's bad, but you know, whatever. Uh, like <laughs> a, a world-class quarterback, the most accurate quarterback in the league has that many forced incompletions on like unaccurate throws over like three weeks. It's just like those things happen. It, it's not that stunting to an offense. Uh, they're just very loud mistakes. It's not what about? Good. It's just, it's different from a fumble problem or an egregious fumble problem. And I only have one question or clarifying piece to that, Zach. When the snap rate for that, for catchable passes is so low, when your quarterback is throwing the ball less and less, as we may see from Russell Wilson heading into this season, if you're, if you're, if your catchable ball rate is already low and you're at a 0.06% drop rate, that adds up. No, it, it absolutely does. And especially with the offense, the Broncos are going to be running when they, so it's going to be a lot of running the ball and then it's going to be shot plays. You can't be dropping those shot plays. You need to, if things like shot plays are hard to pull off. It's why teams don't just run shot plays every single play, unless you have like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, or one of these other aliens um, or, or like the Bengals receiving court. They're hard to do. Um so yeah, when everything lines up and the blocking's there for Russell Wilson and he delivers an accurate ball and you have the receiver beat, those are ones you absolutely have to bring in. So there's absolutely a possibility that drops are more consequential. I'm just saying as a general rule, of course, they happen in different spots. They can happen wide open. You can drop a wide open touchdown. That's different than dropping a screen on first and 10, but they both get charted as a drop. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I it's not terrible. It's, but it is a problem. It, let's let's. That's the thing. Let's own that it's a problem, but that also yeah, he can be an awesome weapon for this offense and when they swear we need it can be both. Right. And I think I think that a lot of the times, let's talk Broncos is on the it can be both uh, scale. We just like to argue here, so we'll move on to the next round here. With the oh, <laughs> no! oh gosh, oh it's looping. I was like, <laughs> what is that? I don't want to take the loop. Wow. I, I thought I did. Um, what went wrong? Much like my ability to produce this show live on air. Uh, we did a little bit of the injury bug roundup, but was there anything that you saw that was of concern? I'm going to mention the offensive line, much to our um, disappointment after a lot of money has been sent to bolster this offensive line. We've seen them struggle during training camp, and we also saw them struggle to protect Russell Wilson in the first preseason game. Uh, the other quarterbacks got a little bit more help. I think the third string offensive line did a really good job there for Ben DiNucci. Guys, talk to me a little bit about what went wrong. Zach, I'm going to throw it over to you because I think you have a nice juxtaposition to the Nick Bonito piece. Thank you. Well, uh, shoot, I don't know what you're laying me up for there. Um, but uh, I, uh, how is Garrett Bowles? <laughs> oh, shoot. Absolutely. Yeah, my bad. Um, I actually I haven't been quit this argue, place. but I'll totally use him here instead. Uh, yeah, Garrett Bowles was an absolute disaster. It was something we've talked about on this show throughout the offseason, which I'm proud of us for. I feel like not many uh, places were highlighting that. And then the moment it went bad, everyone was like, well, of course, obviously, he's coming off a broken leg. It wasn't discussed all offseason. This guy was really, really bad at the start of the 2022 season. He was on pace to have his most holding penalties of any season of his career. Any season of his career. Garrett Bowles was on pace to have the most holding penalties. That's great. Now, that is helped a little by the 17th game, but like even without it, it'd be right, right neck and neck with, uh, I think, his. 2018 season was his worst um absolute tire fire uh uh and then he broke his leg 
which is going to hurt your ability to kick out and defend those elite athletes uh, that just litter uh, NFL edge groups. Um, yeah, it's it's a serious problem. Uh, uh, we're normally the most recent offensive lineman to come back from this injury that Garrett Bowles suffered took longer than a year. I think it took him 13 months. The Broncos are expecting and he was a guard, so he had help on either side of him. The Broncos are expecting Garrett Bowles to do it in like eight, nine months at tackle coming off of what was a really bad season for him when healthy. I just, I think there's a very good chance Isaiah, I'll even predict it right here. I'll throw out an early bull prediction. I think Isaiah Prince or Cam Fleming or both. I, I, the field, I'll say the field starts more games at left tackle for the Denver Broncos than Garrett Bowles this season. Wow. What's up with the Isaiah Prince thing? Why, why, is he above Cam Fleming? Why was he? I think he did over really him? good in training camp. I think he what did. he was consistent. Fleming's still getting uh, uh, up to speed. He's still uh, he was coming back from some injury or something this offseason or a part of his late signing, maybe both. But they're still getting him up to uh, up to full speed and practice and everything, which is why it was Isaiah Prince. And I, I say that, and Bree, you made a good point as well, Zach. I'm happy to know that because that it was a question I had, but he did look okay. I thought in the preseason, I thought, I thought out of all the offensive linemen, he might've looked the best, in that oh, one game, which good. is, which is insane. Um, ben Pounder's powers also didn't look very good. I'm going to get concerning. Time. That's yeah. the scary one. You just gave that guy a big contract. It was kind of off of one year of looking really good. Uh, and you gave him this contract and now it's a little shaky. I'm, I'm a little, that one's a little on my radar, especially because the Cardinals front is not good. That's the other thing. It's not like the Broncos got owned by the Cowboys in the first preseason game. That'd be a little like, oh, okay, what are you going to do? But also like the worst pass rush in the league. Ben powers was good two years ago. He was really good this last year. I like when I'm talking about a player like that, like he looked straight up bad in this preseason game. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna give you a little of time. Cause I've never seen you look like that ever. There was never a point in your career where you were just atrocious. And that's kind of what he looked like this last week. So I expect that to come at least closer to the good. Uh, he's not going to stay at that same pace that he was this last week. I think Garrett Bowles is a little more concerning for all the reasons you have mentioned. The coming off of injury and then also the decline in play even before injury. That's scary. That's not good. Um, I saw – I think Quinn Miners is going to be fine, although he had some, like, lapses – uh, as well, the whole offensive line struggled, so it's definitely, definitely concerning. Doc Nicholas Manning's in the chat saying that Cush is by far the best offensive lineman last uh, week. Guys, do you agree or disagree here? Because I think Cush has shown a lot of growth during training camp in the offseason, which you wanted to see for the starting center. He's not been challenged yet for that position. Do you feel he's had a strong showing in the first game? He's got that position on lock. Um, but yeah, if he was the best offensive lineman, yeah, I, I mean, he's definitely in the discussion for it. I don't know if I'd go by far, but it, it's one of him or Quinn Miners, in my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, probably him. I don't think Quinn had the best day. I don't think it's – I don't. I guess I don't think we're saying that because Cush was like, whoa, who's this center? What have you done with Lloyd Cushenberry? This guy's the truth. I think it's more like it was a really bad day for the offensive line and it wasn't a really bad day for Cush. Uh, Colton Cooper Coop. I do that to you every time. Cause I have to read it like Ron Burgundy, big contract. And we can say first game of the preseason, but that doesn't apply to vets who have been in the league for a bit and are on their second contract. It's concerning. Yeah, it is. I, I, I'm, I'm pretending like I didn't see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until he does this consistently. So, 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounds fair. <laughs> Go ahead. Zach. Yeah. And the offensive line was terrible. I saw a stat. Shoot. I forget who put it out. It might've been Zach Stevens. It might've been Chris. Someone put it out on the beat. I'm sorry, whoever it was. Um, or no, I, I remember now it was Romy Bean. Goodness. I'm sorry, Romy. Uh, uh, it, the uh, highest pressure rate of any court that any quarterback faced was Russell Wilson in his first preseason game at 64%. That's insane. The best Steve, like the, the Cowboys were astronomical at like producing pressure last year, like the best of like the past four or five years. And they were creating it at like a 46% rate. And the Broncos offensive line was making the Arizona Cardinals, which is probably the least talented pass rush in the league look like 50% better than that elite Cowboys pass rush. That is so concerned. Russ is not going to make it near through a full season if that happens, which I think uh, is very concerning, especially because uh, how the backup quarterback played, I think is something else that went wrong. Yeah. Um, well, Zach, you mentioned the magic word for today, and that was the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott to the Patriots now, and also news that Dalvin Cook was going to the Jets. So running backs flying off the board here prior to week one. Broncos are missing out on some more capital there. Do you think they're still looking off the top of your head? No, I don't think they are anymore. I think they're going to roll out with the group that they have and them continuously saying – that Javante Williams looks like he's 100% is an indication of that. That that is them saying we have full confidence in this, and it's also a sign that's it's it's pretty much telling us that they're done trying to add to this group until further notice. I think is what that is more than anything. I think that the Broncos are going to roll with the group that they have now. Um, who is that third running back? We will see, but I think one and two set in stone. Nobody else is coming in and taking that spot. If they wanted one of those two guys, they were available and available for a while. Yeah, they didn't pick him up. So Javante Williams must look good enough or they might, they must not have valued those running backs the same way or something, but this is the group that they're rolling with right now. Yeah. Um, uh, good day for McLaughlin. I think that's huge. Even though they spelled his name wrong on his Jersey, that's tough. Um, but had a good day. I thought he answered some of the questions about like, is this just a camp thing? Um, you know, but it's going to be tough. Um, uh, I don't know. They're, they're not bringing anyone else in at this point. The, Beatty looks good. McLaughlin looks good. P. Ryan looks good. And, and I agree with Joey. I think if you are the Denver Broncos right now, you're looking at this running back room going that we have a really good number one. We have a really good number two. We have a, a couple of guys we're excited about battling for that number three spot. Why do we need to sign anyone else? Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Guys, final and last parting thoughts for Friday's preseason game. What was the ugly? And Zach, I'm so sorry. I stole your ability to use what you were going to use here. Did you have uh, more? I'll, I'll flip flop. I'll I, have uglier, it's got to be uglier than the field was because that was atrocious. Well, I'll, I'll go with someone who's maybe uh, traditionally handsome, but his play was absolutely ugly. Uh, Jared Stidham. Um, I, I think this is ugly because the Broncos quarterback room is absurdly expensive. Um, you have uh, Russell Wilson, who, I mean, this year his salary isn't all that expensive, but in terms of all the picks you gave up for him, they've invested a ton in him. Now, Jared Stidham is the second highest paid backup quarterback. My goodness, given everything the Broncos have invested in quarterback, uh, that starter better be amazing. Uh, and honestly, I do think Russ had a good day. Uh, like we said, the offensive line was not doing him any favors. He was on under pressure on 64% of his dropbacks and he finished with like an hundred pass rating, which again, isn't the best metric, but I'm happy with Russ. I thought was good. 
Jared Stidham, on the other hand, was horrendous. Um, just absolutely, uh, or maybe horrendous is strong, but he looked bad. Uh, he did not look like a quarterback where if we're sitting in October and Russell Wilson's a big problem, where you can justify uh, bringing out the shepherd's crook and yanking Russ for that guy. Um, and I do think that's a problem because that's what the Broncos paid Jared Siddham to be. They invested a relative for a backup quarterback, a lot of money in Jared Siddham because they thought this can be our insurance plan. If everything with Russ is as bad as it was last year, we can bring out this guy and the offense can be solid. It can be salvageable. It's not going to, he's not a long-term answer, but he's a guy who we can realistically bench Russ for. That's why they are paying him all that money. After watching him against the Cardinals defense, I think it's so hard to argue that he is that guy. Um, hopefully it gets better down the stretch. It may be Miss Brett Rippin quite a bit. Hope he's succeeding over there with the Rams. Ben DiNucci looking comfortable at training camp, but I think there was a little bit of an atrocious misnomer that the backup quarterbacks were outperforming Russ by any uh imagination um a stretch of the imagination i think if russell wilson were to go down and you put stidham in uh the broncos are ultimately ending up with a worse record um didn't like what i saw haven't definitely thought that they needed to bench rest for the Ooh. current quarterbacks on the roster but wouldn't it be interesting if the 49ers are no longer interested in keeping trey lance uh, what a, what could have been could be a what could be later on guys would that interest you yeah go ahead zach take this one it would interest me. I I kind of think the Niners aren't going to trade him. They've been hesitant to trade him so far. I think they will have him as their backup for a while and see if they can develop him down the line. Like that totally is atypical and non-traditional. I see Joey making the face right now. But everything they've done at quarterback is atypical and non-traditional. I think Kyle Shanahan can write checks to do crazy things at the quarterback position because he goes, look at the guys that I've developed. Um, one thing we have seen consistently in this Mike Shanahan scheme, and it does go all the way back to Mike Shanahan, is that it's never really ever developed an elite quarterback. It, the guys that we've seen take it to extreme heights have been guys that uh, already had a lot of experience in the NFL before being dropped into it. Uh, John Elway, of course, in Denver. Um, you think about uh, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers winning multiple MVPs. That was a later addition to his career. Uh, Matt Ryan, um, veteran guys with experience. The young guys that have had success in it, it took a while. You look at Kirk Cousins in Washington. Trey Lance is so insanely physically gifted and has played so little football. Like if I was the Niners, I'd be like, okay, we can sit around. We've got guys we know can start at quarterback for us. Let's sit with them for a while and let's keep developing Trey Lance and hope something miraculous happens and he becomes the superstar. We've traded three first round picks for because you're not getting anything like that uh, on the open market for him. You'd be lucky to get like a third round or you'd probably get a third, but you're crossing your fingers to get a second round pick for the guy at this point. Yeah. I just, I, I just think there's a peak to how good he could possibly be without playing. Like, like he's like, there's, there's a ceiling there. He's not going to then just step in two years down the line and be an elite quarterback right away. Definitely. If not. he hasn't Definitely played not. any games then at that point, you're sitting on a player with one year left on his contract. I like, it's just, if you're not trading him now, you're just wasting away his career. That's what you're you doing. Say, you're you developing same. a 28-year-old quarterback or something crazy. Like what he's what he's no, but he entered the he entered the NFL so young 
You look at like Jordan Love with the Packers this year. I think they're glad right now they didn't trade Jordan Love. And also like, let's say Jordan Love goes out and plays well this year. Not like you're saying, you're not going to be a day one superstar almost definitely. But like, let's say Jordan Love comes out and, you know, throws like 20 some touchdowns, limited interception. He's like the, he's the NFL's 18th best quarterback. I don't think, I think, I think the Packers re-sign him for a low level deal. And, and you, you're, there's, I don't know. I think it, it works. I, I don't think anybody don't in Packers nation is, is throwing their hands up in the air, wondering why the Packers haven't signed a long-term deal with Jordan love. I, I, I don't think anyone's hoping for that. But, but after this season, I'm saying like, let's say he looks like a good starter. He's not going to be making 40 million a year. He's definitely not going to be making 50 million a year. Right. You, that's how you can find a bargain quarterback in this market. Uh, I, ooh, I, bro, I think you underestimate how desperate teams get for quarterbacks. Let me throw a couple names out look there. At the, look at Brock the Brock Osweiler, right eight games of good play. Went out there, signed a huge deal with the refs. Derek Carr two years removed from a massive season and was fine. Geno Smith was a top 10 quarterback last year oh, and signed whoa. like a deal that's so team-friendly. It's ridiculous. Last year, yeah, you guys were trying to call Carr old. We're talking about like a 29-year-old quarterback. There's a difference. The, the, if Trey Lance the, the, goes Gino to the Packers contract, bro. Off of, wait one second. Let me speak real quick. If Trey Lance went and hit the open market after one year of really good play, being a young quarterback, his market value is going to be substantially higher than Geno Smith's. It's just that is not an equation. Like even Matt Flynn was. We'll a see with Jordan Love. We'll see with Jordan Love. I don't think those guys are from so long ago when they signed. We didn't have a, a mid-tier quarterback market then. One is starting to develop now. I think that's where you'll see Jordan Love sign after this season. Fair. We'll, we'll come back. Frankie, you don't have to rehash it for Frankie. Frankie, you got to rewind. I'm sorry. Sorry, you got to go back. <laughs> that's what you get for being late. Um, I was going to play the ding again because Zach, you said the other magic word of the evening, and that was Shanahan. Mike Shanahan, Hall of Fame. Is he a shoe in fit or not, Joey? He sh- he should be for a while now. Like I hate this. It drives me insane. Like I can't even get excited about him being finalists and all this type of stuff this entire time because he should have been in there. This is like not even a question. You have all these other dudes going in. You have Jerry Jones, who's still an owner for the team. You know, he wants the Hall of Fame. You got all these people in there. Mike Shanahan has affected the game massively, 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 massively to offenses that everyone's running in the NFL today, um, to coaching trees, to everything. The effect on football has been felt from Mike Shanahan, um, even to Kyle Shanahan right now, right? Like, he should be in. Um, so I can't even, I don't know. It's hard for me to get excited about any of this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. I don't know how he's not in sooner. Um, in terms of all time winning percentage, there are uh, very few people ranked in front of him uh, that have, you know, coached as long in the NFL as he has that have not made it into the hall of fame. Like George Seifert with like the 49ers is one. And, and he should also be in there. Guys with multiple Super Bowls that are not in the Hall of Fame. I, I think he's the only one currently because Tom Flores got in. Um, Jimmy Johnson got in too. So it's it's Seifert and Mike Shanahan are the only two with multiple Super Bowls uh, that haven't made the Hall of Fame. We see coaches make the Hall of Fame for one of two reasons. Either they um, – were transformative to how the game is played 
or they won a lot. Mike Shanahan checks the winning a lot box and he checks the transformative box. Listen to the play caller series by the athletic. They'll do a better job summing it up than I ever could. But I mean, the current NFL offensive meta was developed by Mike Shanahan 30, 40 years ago. Like he, that's insane. Don Coriel, I believe is already in the hall of fame for what he did to NFL passing offices. And, and he totally should be, he deserves it every bit, but how can you have Don Coriel in and then like, Several years go by and Mike Shanahan still isn't in it. It's an insult. Uh, if he doesn't get in this year, uh, I will really be mind blown. It, it seems like he's a shoe in, but he seemed like a shoe in last year and the year before that and the year before that. So who knows? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you're right, Zach. Not only did he change the way the game is played, but he changed the way and the direction that this organization was going. The fit with uh, Pat Bolin and Mike Shanahan is something that will live in infamy in all of Broncos country's mind. And we're all rallying behind, hoping that this is a, uh, a basically put to rest uh, sort of deal because it's been um, it's been a long time coming. Guys, anything that you want to add for wanted to add from the uh, the game on Friday? Yes, I got one. You know, listen, guys, I'm not above the bias. All these players have to really do is like, you know, send me a DM, retweet me. I'm going to root for you. (laughs) And Delonte Hood, I was rooting for so very much after watching him do good in training camp. And it wasn't very pretty this last game. So that that, that disappointed me. That's all I got, though. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. Yeah. You can show your biases. I think Traymond Smith had a little bit of an oopsie out there, and I was a little frustrated by it. And we all want to see our our favorites succeed. Um, uh, Frankie said we need LTB shirts. We'll work on that uh, in a second. Um, Cal said LTB fruit stickers. Uh, Frankie then came back with LTB pens. He's mad that we weren't fighting in front of him. Uh, Guys, you know what has become very clear to me? Uh, is that the kicker competition is actually very murky and it's muddy and it's dirt as best. So let's roll around in the slop a little bit and have a talk about it. During training camp, I think Maher was absolutely uh, on the money. And I was putting out hot takes that he was going to be one of the best kickers in the league. I'm not going to fall off the horse yet, but what the hell happened on Friday? Uh, the kickers seem to be pretty freaking important, don't you think, Joey? No. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, they are pretty important, but I'd suggest sign like literally. I, I'm bringing in like whoever's out there at free agency. You can come to training camp, and we're doing a crazy <laughs> competition. And whoever wins wins, and that's who we're rolling with. I'm not limiting it anymore, man. I don't like it. I don't like it. It. I. I just. I have a hard time understanding how teams get this wrong. It's my only thing. But anyway, Zach, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it is crazy. There aren't more people that are like could be good NFL kickers. Uh, I do think they're maybe a little underpaid in terms of position. Like, it, they impact like the the final outcome of so many games, and there are so few good ones. Um, the Maher thing is weird. I'm hoping it's just a blip because he was perfect all training camp. To Bree's point, like he was hitting it over the tops of the uprights right down the middle. Like they had a, a guy at the top of this crow's nest standing there and it was very clear. Yeah. And it was clear they were instructed to kick it to this guy. Like he was the target and Fry was getting it through every time, but there'd be some variance on like, you know, left to right of the guy. Maher was drilling the guy in the chest, like every single kick. It was perfect. Um, and then he goes out there and totally whiffs his first one. Like it's straight to the right. Like it is, it never looked like it was hooking left. It was, he kicked it and it was like, that is a mess. Um, and I, I don't really know what it is. I think it might be mental. 
you know, he went into that playoff game and missed so many extra points, like three, four. I think it it was like maybe the worst kicking meltdown in NFL history. Let me in, coach. I mean, that was crazy. it, it was. And here's the other crazy part of it. That year was the most accurate year he's ever had as a kicker. He made 90% of his field goals. He was one of the most accurate kickers in the league. Up there with Tucker. <laughs> and, and had a 94% uh, uh, extra point percentage. Like he was money last season. And then he goes up, misses the first one, came in, made the second one. I'm concerned now. I'm, I, like, I'm not going to lie and be like, it's fine. I'm concerned. Let's, before we're like, blaring all the alarms and everything let's see another game let's see a few no more i'm picks. blaring the, the alarms bro get him off the team. <laughs> kyle, kyle, kyle blacker <laughs> messaged me before this and was like those jitters aren't going away and i completely agree with him he's it now proven right. this that's Stop. not going away <laughs> no you up in that dallas thing there's yeah. no excuse to miss like three or four PATs. That's something going up here. He has the Ben Simmons going on right now, and people don't want to talk about we it. We can excuse ugly drops, but we can't excuse ugly kicks. Until yes, we see this as a trend. There. If we see this as a trend, then we can come back to this. But you're telling me one preseason game, and we're talking about preseason. No, he I'm can't talking, miss. I'm talking about he the, only missed the one kick. He did only miss the one kick. He came in and made his others. Now, here's that, the so. thing. If he went in there and kicked a 70-yard field goal on the next drive, kind of like Judy, you know, to score the touchdown, <laughs> we would, like, my tone might be a little different. You're but, so like, it's, 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 it's that we're talking about this playoff thing. I think he has the Ben Simmons going on. <laughs> the Ben Simmons. That's, that's pretty strong, Joey. Yeah. That's, it's a it's a case of the yips. Let's give it a little bit of time before we start losing our minds. But what you should be doing, let's talk Broncos community is losing your minds. Wednesday is going to be a really fun show to make sure you set your reminders. Uh, we're not going to tell you anything about it. So yeah, uh, Zach, question? Yeah. Note note on the note. Special unveiling Wednesday, and I think something we can announce now. I feel like just to get the runway out, uh, more LTB coming starting this week. We'll have Friday shows. So get, get ready. Make sure you're joining us on Fridays as well. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. More LTB coming. Wednesday, we have something special coming up. Um, join the let's talk Broncos discord. If you guys want those links message, any of us, and we'll make sure to give that you guys are all update the link right the now. Entry. Like and subscribe to this video, but anyway, yeah. don't, DM me, DM the boys or join the discord or use a link tree or Google the show. I don't know what to tell you. I'm really bad at returning messages. Uh, I posted over on Twitter who has the worst uh, NFL jersey number and friend of the program, Glenn Hauser, uh, responded that it was me and my Seattle number two jersey. So screw you, Glenn Hauser. I just lost the entire banner for the show. Um, guys, can we talk about news and notes around the league? Anything else that you wanted to uh, to talk about from today? Is there was a lot of stuff happening from Friday to today, a lot of signings that went down. More importantly, training camp goes the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Those are the last available days for Broncos country to attend in person. I will be there Wednesday and Thursday tomorrow. I just can't make it work, but uh, anything you're hoping to see out of this week's training camp. Free drop and tour dates. Um, I, I think, uh, no, we, we kind of talked about the injuries already. Um, we talked about the Broncos uh, missing out on those running backs. So I think they weren't going to sign them anyways. Um, uh, and then they signed a couple guys, but it looks like they're battling for a returner job that Montreal Washington seems to have a very heavy lead in. 
Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think the, the, the Broncos are looking good. In yeah. your face, Montreal, Washington doubters. Nobody specifically. I just felt like calling everyone out. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has the worst number. Thanks, Carter. Appreciate you chiming in there. The worst one. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, uh, civilians, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the night, and that's time for Joey's question today. Okay. It is everyone's favorite part. And I'm really testing if you guys are true Broncos fans today. Um, if you guys don't get this right, you just simply aren't Broncos fan. Uh, here comes the toughest question ever. What college did Jim, Jaleel McLaughlin go to? Yeah. And you guys have three seconds because we're not going to sit here in silence because we're podcasting. Zach is muted again. (laughs) I wish I knew it, but I don't. I know I don't know it. I'm going to say Sacramento State. I know that's not right. It's got an S in it. I feel like it's something state with an S. Yes, you. What is it? It's like Division Two or Division Three. What is it, Joey? This? He went to Youngstown State. That's where he went to school. And yeah. Uh, a wise state. That's such a oh, Joe, question. No, I removed yeah, it because I was done with that. You guys are not Broncos fans. <laughs> Anyways, I will now take myself out. Yeah. Well, now, now you're blocked by Joey Triviani. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, Jaleel McLaughlin also has like some of the most, uh, uh, I think, rushing touchdowns or rushing yards in the history of Division Two or Division Three. Uh yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it looks legit. It looks legit from that first preseason game. I was definitely a Jaleel McLaughlin doubter after everything that happened with Montreal, Washington last year, and now both are looking legit. Oh, where can everybody find your stuff? <laughs> Everyone like um, this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube. We have a lot of fun things coming up. Stay, up, stay, stay in the loop with what's going on on Wednesday. Fun stuff. Uh, and then just follow Massive me at AR Drafts on Twitter. And then, yeah, go follow the Let's Talk LTB podcast on Instagram as well. Fun stuff coming up there. Uh, more to come. Anyways, where can they find your guys' awesome work? Uh, I mean, I'm with Chasta now, so it's all LTB all the time. Everybody, go uh, to the LTB YouTube. Like Joey said, like, subscribe. If you listen to us in audio version, uh, rate us five stars. All that stuff helps the show out so much. It gets us to see uh, new people seeing us joining all you guys in the live chat, which we love to see. And then uh, uh, we're about to get a lot bigger. We're about to get a lot bigger starting Wednesday. Get excited. uh, Get on the ground floor now before that LTB stock goes to the moon. That's insider trading. We'll see you all on Wednesday. Bye, everybody. Go Broncos. Go Broncos.